the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The seventh day is the day eternity stepped into time and pressed with passion the kiss of love and blessing on Adam and Eve. The Bible is clear that there is life in the seventh day because God's life, God's soul, God's love is in the day. That's Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call at any time, 24-7, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Someone is standing by right now to take your phone call. We are up to number six in the Cosmic Controversy series today. We're starting the first portion of the Creation Covenant. That's the Creation Covenant, and you can find it online at reachingyourheart.com. If you miss any portion of this broadcast, you'll be able to listen to it in its entirety there, along with the rest of the messages in the Cosmic Controversy series. Let's get underway. With the Creation Covenant, here is Pastor Michael Oxentenko. The famous American clergyman Henry Van Dyke once said, Time is too slow for those who wait, too swift for those who fear, too long for those who grieve, too short for those who rejoice, but for those who love, time is eternity. Yet love has no meaning here in life unless there is power for love to continue forever in time. Love has no power in the end unless love can stay, and love has no future unless love is the future. I mean, I don't want to live in a world... I don't want to live in a church culture, and I don't want to live anywhere unless there's love that is the future for me. What about you? I not only want to experience love, I want to give love. And so without love, life and time is meaningless. For love to win, love must dig in and never go away. And for those who live in time, for those who are trapped by time, love is eternity. That is why God spoke the language of love into the seventh day and left it there forever so we would never be alone for all eternity. You know, people wonder why the Sabbath was given. Dear heart, the Sabbath was given because God carved himself and his love into the fabric of time as the commitment of the everlasting covenant to never leave us or forsake us. And so love is real because God is in time. That is why God left his sign, his sacred sign of his everlasting covenant to show us that he has never left us. Genesis 2 verse 1, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work which he had done. He rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on it God rested from all his work which he had done in creation. Now think about this. As soon as there was a man and a woman to know God, God separated the seventh day and he blessed it. He didn't bless them. He blessed that spot in time where he could be found for them. There is a piece of time carved into every week, and we are experiencing it right now, where the same God who made that brilliant yesterday is here today to love you and to be with you. God spoke through Ezekiel the prophet. Moreover, I gave them my Sabbath as a sign 
between me and them that they might know that I, the Lord, sanctify them. In the beginning, God made the Sabbath day holy and God hallowed the seventh day. And we are holy not because we're holy. We are holy not because we try to be holy. We are holy because we enter into a rest that is holy and God is in it. We come to know God because he chose the Sabbath as the way to know him at the very beginning. Henry Van Dyke is right. Time is too slow for those who wait, too swift for those who fear, too long for those who grieve, too short for those who rejoice. But for those who love, time is eternity. For many Christians, the Sabbath represents slavery. I mean, I've heard it. You have too. They say, oh, well, you keep the Seventh-day Sabbath. Now, you're part of that Jewish slavery system or the, an old covenant believer. Dear heart, there are certain things that are old that are worth hanging on to in life. As I read my Bible, the everlasting covenant is the oldest covenant. And the sign of the everlasting covenant, according to Scripture, is the seventh-day Sabbath. It's okay to be connected to something old. And the Bible says that the blood of the everlasting covenant, which is Jesus' blood, is the same blood as the new covenant, which means the old covenant is the new covenant. And the sign of the new covenant is the seventh-day Sabbath as well. For many Christians, the Sabbath represents slavery, and they have failed to understand that it is the sign of God's message of love, the sign of his presence. It is the sign of righteousness by faith for the final generation that must reconnect with the covenant God who came from the very beginning. This hatred of the Sabbath goes all the way back to the ancient Babylonians who taught their people to despise the seventh day as something evil in this world. This inscription was found on an ancient Babylonian monument as a testament to the ancient hatred of the Sabbath by the Babylonian people. And God called Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees in part because of this mentality. They wrote the seventh day as a feast of Marduk and Zarapanet, an evil day. The shepherd of the great people shall not eat flesh cooked on coals or smoked. The garment of his body he shall not change nor put on clean raiment. An offering he shall not make. The king shall not ride in a chariot. He shall not speak as a victor. A seer shall not utter an oracle in a secret place, and the physician shall not lay his hand on the sick. At night the king shall bring his gift before Marduk and Ishtar and pour out a libation. The lifting up of his hand will then be acceptable to his God. I mean, think about this. The ancient Babylonians, for them, the only good thing about the seventh-day Sabbath was when it ended. They saw it as a day that was antithetical to human healing. They saw it as a day that was in the way of life and living. It was not a time to be happy and not a time to be healed, not a time to experience the joy of God. It was a time to run from God. Now, there are Christians alive today in the evangelical world, I'm ashamed to say, who share the same sentiment that cursed the seventh-day Sabbath in ancient Babylon. And the Bible is very clear that the Christians at the end of time must leave a system that is contrary to God's word and truth. And so here we have the Bible in clearest terms in Revelation 14, 8 saying, Another angel, a second followed saying, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She who made all nations drink the wine of her impure passion. If you have the ideas of ancient Babylon, you can in fact become Babylon today. According to the Bible, the Sabbath is a sign that God can be found, that God is holy, that God can make you holy. In Genesis 2, God performed four actions on the seventh day that embedded the meaning of love and time. Now, I don't know about you, but I I not only want to find God every day, I want to be found by God. What about you? I want to put myself in the place where God can be found. 
I want to place my feet on holy ground, not on my own ground in life. And God has created the Sabbath as a place and a time where we can come to know him, a temple and time where his presence can be real. There are four actions of the seventh day that embed the meaning of love in your life. Action number one, the Bible says God finished all his work that he had done on the seventh day. Now what does that mean? It means, dear heart, that you are finished by faith before you start. It means that in God your life is complete before you try to work it out. It means in God, in a relationship with God, you don't have to engineer your future. Your future is tied to a certain past that God himself has given to you. Action number two, it says he sanctified the seventh day. Now what does that mean? It means to set apart. He made it holy. God made the seventh day for a different purpose than the other six days. He made it so that you could stop doing the stuff that messes up your life and you could come to know him in a way that will secure your life. Action number three, God rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had done. Man and woman were made on the sixth day. So what was the first full day of life for them? Was it the sixth day or seventh day? Seventh day. So life on the sixth day, which is an incomplete day, must surrender to life on the seventh day, which is a full day of blessing that comes from God. Action number four, God blessed the seventh day. The word blessing means to make happy. God programmed happiness into time on the seventh day. Now I have learned that whatever God blesses, whatever God says is happy, whatever God says is for him and for us, no human being and no theologian has a right to say it is not. So Henry Van Dyke was right. Time is too slow for those who wait, too swift for those who fear, too long for those who grieve, too short for those who rejoice. But for those who love, time is eternity. And eternity comes to Adam and Eve on the seventh day in unmistakable tones with a tender touch. The seventh day is the day eternity stepped into time and pressed with passion the kiss of love and blessing on Adam and Eve. The Bible is clear that there is life in the seventh day because God's life, God's soul, God's love is in the day. When God created the world in the beginning, he spoke seven times. And when he spoke the seventh time, he blessed the seventh day. When God commanded Moses to build a sanctuary, he told Moses that he was to build a sanctuary because he desired to live close to his people. He told Moses in Exodus 25.8, And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. Now from Exodus 25 to Exodus 31.13, as Moses is instructed to build the sanctuary, God told him to build it. And there are seven times that it says the Lord said to Moses. It's as if the building of the sanctuary is another picture of creation. Exodus 25.1, the Lord said to Moses. Exodus 30.11, the Lord said to Moses. Exodus 30.17, the Lord said to Moses. Exodus 30.22, the Lord said to Moses. Exodus 30, 34, the Lord said to Moses. Exodus 31, 1, the Lord said to Moses. And the seventh time, Exodus 31, 12, the Lord said to Moses. Now look at the phrase that occurs next. Say to the people of Israel, you shall keep my Sabbaths. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among your people. Moses is simply saying that life does not last. Life does not have meaning. 
Life does not have purpose unless it is rooted in that relationship that God established in the very beginning. If you want to have a life that is not resting in God's finished work for you, then you are dead before you start. The seventh day is about God coming to us to give us life. A while back in Scientific American, there were a series of articles that demonstrated that we have built into our DNA a circadian rhythm that matches the rhythm of time, of the moon, and of the weekly cycle. And a person may try to escape that by saying they don't need it. The French did. In fact, in the French Revolution, they created a 10-day week, but they were unable to sustain French civilization on a 10-day week like the ancient Egyptians, and eventually they went back to a 7-day week. There is something built into our DNA that needs to find God every 7th day. There's something that says inside it's not enough to keep on working. You've got to come and bow down before your maker. There is a hole that only God can fill in the human heart. Verse 15, six days shall work be done, God says, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. He's saying here, as far as God is concerned, the Sabbath day is, is about life. And if you don't want life, then you opt for death. It's an avenue he's chosen to share grace, love, and life with his people. Verse 16, Therefore the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations. And then he uses this phrase, as a perpetual covenant in the Revised Standard Version. But the Hebrew is a little more dramatic there. It doesn't say perpetual covenant. It says, Brit Olam, as eternal covenant. The everlasting covenant that brought Jesus Christ to the cross The everlasting covenant that was God's covenant commitment to a world that could go wrong. He carved into the fabric of time a sign of his love, a sign of the eternal covenant. In verse 16, some would say, Aha, the Sabbath is only made for the Jews. Let me ask you a question. Would it be fair that God would only want the Jewish people to be happy in life? Do you think God works that way? How many of you think he works that way? Would it be fair that God would only bless the Jewish people with the covenant blessing of creation? Would he leave Christians out of what he gave his entire human race at the beginning? No. Pastor Michael Oxentenko will continue in just a moment. Stay tuned. Reaching Your Heart is a listener-supported program. We step out in faith to purchase airtime on this station because we believe God is working through this radio ministry to touch tens of thousands of lives. Each of our messages is prayed over. Biblical messages of hope and Bible truth. To continue, we need your support. We do not have a large ministry fundraising machine. We operate totally by faith. Call our toll-free number to make your contribution of any size today. That number is 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Or you can stop by our website, reachingyourheart.com. That's reachingyourheart.com. Let's get back to the broadcast now. Here is Pastor Michael Oxentenka with more of today's Reaching Your Heart. And so, before we analyze verse 16, let's consider the words of Jesus about this matter. Mark 2, 27. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man. Not man for the Sabbath. The Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. According to Jesus, the Sabbath was made for everyone, and he is Lord of the Sabbath day. Now, if Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath day, then the Sabbath is the Lord's day. I grew up in a faith tradition that said the Lord's day was Sunday. 
But that is in sync with Jesus' words here. If the Sabbath was made for man, and he is the Lord of the Sabbath, it is his day. And there's no such thing as legalism if you are planting your faith in Jesus Christ and you see the Sabbath as a sign of righteousness by faith, that you are finished by faith. Before you start, you're doing the right thing with the Sabbath. According to the New Testament, if you belong to Jesus, you are a son of Abraham, an heir according to the promise. And you don't have to think that you're outside of Israel because you are part of Israel because Jesus is the perfect Israelite. Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, boy, you could say that with drama, if you are Christ's, then you are, it doesn't say you will be, you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. God is not a racist. God doesn't have two covenant partners or two covenant wives. He's not a polygamist. God has one bride, Israel, and whoever belongs to the one faithful Israelite, Jesus Christ, they belong to Israel. According to Galatians 3, 16 and 17, the promises of God were given to Abraham and to his seed, and it's singular in the Greek. It means Jesus Christ. So if you belong to Christ and God has given all his promises as an amen to Christ... According to Paul, you share in the blessing of Abraham, not by virtue of your own works, but by virtue of Jesus Christ, who is God's amen. Galatians 6.14, But far be it from me to glory except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. Peace and mercy be upon all who walk by this rule. And then he says, upon the Israel of God. You know, if you belong to Christ, you belong to Israel, and you are a new creation. God is not a racist. So when God says Israel shall keep the Sabbath forever, if you're in Jesus Christ, you're part of Israel, which means you are to honor the Sabbath day because you know you have a connection to God's people through Jesus Christ. God is not a racist. There's only one people of God in the Bible. Romans 9, 6, but it is not as though the word of God had failed. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel, and not all are children of Abraham because they are descendants, but through Isaac shall your descendants be named. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are reckoned as descendants. Now that means reckoned because of faith. Abraham had righteousness reckoned to him because he had faith. Because of our faith in Jesus Christ, we are reckoned as part of Israel. God commands the Sabbath to be kept by the children of Israel throughout their generations. As far as the New Testament is concerned, it's for Christians to keep as well because they are Israel. There's no such thing as two peoples of God in the Bible. Now this idea that the Sabbath is for everyone was really understood early in Bible times. Isaiah 56 verse 1. Take your Bible and turn with me there. The Bible says, Thus says the Lord, Keep justice, do righteousness, for soon my salvation will come and my deliverance be revealed. Now the Bible here is talking about the coming of Jesus Christ. Not the second, but the first coming of Christ. This is a prophetic chapter laying the framework for the coming of Christ to gather his sheep from all over the world. Verse 2, Blessed is the man who does this, and the son of man who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath, not profaning it, and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say, The Lord will surely separate me from his people. And let not the eunuch say, Behold, I'm a dry tree. 
For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant. I mean, here it's very clearly inclusive language. The Son of Man, the Son of Humanity who connects to keep the Sabbath. The eunuchs, the leaders of the political world outside of Israel, they're included in this promise. Verse 5. I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters, and I will give them an everlasting name which shall not be cut off. Now, the only way for an everlasting name to not be cut off or for a eunuch to have an everlasting name because he can't have children. I mean, how can you have an everlasting name if you have been deprived of the ability to have children? There's only one way it can happen for you. What it's saying here is that if you hang on to the Sabbath... And the covenant relationship that it's about, even if you are mortal and you can have no children, your name will never die. That means that that person will have eternal life in God's house. God is saying, you may think you have no future whatsoever, but if you come into a relationship with me and you keep the Sabbath, I will give you an everlasting name, which means eternal life that can never be cut off. Verse 6 And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants. Everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast my covenant. Now, it's very clear here in the context, if you are to keep the Sabbath, what do you hold fast to? What does it say in the verse? You hold fast to God's what? Covenant. Exactly. Now, if you want to be a new covenant believer... If you want to be a new covenant believer, and the new covenant is the everlasting covenant, you've got to keep the Sabbath. There's no way out of it as far as the Bible is concerned. Again, the Sabbath is equated with God's covenant. Verse 7. These people I will bring to my holy mountain, make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be acceptable on my altar. For my house should be called a house of prayer only for the Jewish people. Is that what it says in verse 7? God is not a racist, is he? The covenant promise in the Old Testament that was made for Israel was made for all humanity. My house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. God's blessing in the beginning is for you and me today. Verse 8, thus says the Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel. I will gather yet others to him besides those already gathered. Now notice that God here, in the context, will gather others to him besides those already gathered. Now who's the him here? I mean, God is speaking. He's going to gather the world to a him, and they will keep the Sabbath as the sign of that gathering. Now, who's the him? Now, it's no accident that Jesus quoted this verse, and most Bible margins will indicate this, in John 10, 16. He applied this verse directly to what he was doing in the apostolic age. And he said very clearly, I have other sheep that are not of this fold, and I must bring them also They will heed my voice, so there will be one flock and one shepherd. There are no two peoples of God in the Bible. There's only one, and Israel is the one, and the church is by definition Israel. According to the Bible, the Sabbath would be the sign of the messianic gathering. So let's go back to Exodus 31 16 in that context. Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. The Bible says the Sabbath is a perpetual covenant. Some Bible translations would have the word lasting covenant. The Hebrew literally says eternal covenant, brit olam. According to the Bible, the Sabbath is connected inextricably to God's everlasting covenant. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I, I'm a very happy married man. Any happy married men out there? Our 25th wedding anniversary is coming upon us next week. Actually, two weeks from now. I'm looking forward to the anniversary. And that's prayer meeting night. won't be at prayer meeting, folks. That's just how it works. We're going to be gone. And I'm just very grateful for, for Diana. But you know what? You can't separate the anniversary from the marriage, can you? You can't say, forget the anniversary. It's not important. Especially when it's in your 25th or your 50th. just can't do that. How can we forget the Sabbath? How can we forget the seventh day in light of God's covenant marriage to the people of the human race? How can we forget this? And how can the Christian church say, you know, God is fickle with his covenant relationships? So what he does is he creates a new covenant day and he forgets this everlasting covenant of which the Sabbath is a sign. How can you do that and be a God of consistent love and faithfulness? You see, behind that theology, behind that theology is the presupposition that we worship a God that cannot be trusted. And that's why that premise in evangelical theology must surrender to the Holy Word of God. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And His covenant promises never end. And the Sabbath is the sign of the everlasting married relationship of God to a redeemed people, a saved people for time and eternity. Well, that's all the time we have for the first portion of our broadcast today. Join us again next time when we complete this message. Are you fascinated by the prophecies of Revelation? Have you wished you could understand prophecy better? Do the symbols of the Bible's last book baffle you? God's Last Altar Call is just the book you need. Mark Finley clearly explains the events soon to unfold in this world. Be sure to call today for your copy. 888-244-HOPE That's 888-244-4673 The book is yours for a donation of any size. Thank you for your generosity. Your donations keep this ministry on the air. Again, thank you for your support. 888-244-HOPE That's 888-244-4673 If you would like to listen to this message again, it is available for you at reachingyourheart.com Once again, reachingyourheart.com There are many messages available along with this broadcast as well. Thanks for listening today, and as always, we want you to know that we do pray that God is reaching your heart. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.